Time now for our Friday press box. And today, Nigel Yolden is on the phone with us. Nigel, great to have you back. Hey, team. Lovely to be with you again, as always. Belated, very belated. Happy New Year to you both. Oh, we can still say that early Feb. It works. I feel like it's only once the, the various holiday periods, so after Waitangi, that no, it, it gets no, a bit no, old. No, I, I feel as though if you're speaking to somebody for the first time, and it's still within the first couple of months of the year, I think it's acceptable. I don't think you can say Happy New Year or belated Happy New Year in March, but this is the first chance I've had a chat, uh, opportunity to have a chat with you both, so I think I can get away with it. I think I'm within the rules. I think you're within the rules now. I think if it was two weeks later, Nige, we'd be having differing views. But okay. I, okay. I hate to... That wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say I hate to argue <laughs> with you, though, so just ignore me. <laughs> hey, now let's get on to our topics for the day. First things first, Formula One, mate. Uh, mm. Did you see Lewis Hamilton to Ferrari coming? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I mean, the last I'd heard of Lewis Hamilton, he'd signed a two-year extension with Mercedes, and I think that's the reason why, sort of having a look around some of the better um, Formula One journos, why they were caught a little bit off guard by this. Uh, I know Andrew Benson, who's an outstanding F1 writer for BBC Sport, you know, he'd had a conversation with Lewis, where Lewis was saying, look, I, I probably won't be racing beyond 40. Um, this will probably be one of my last contracts with Mercedes when he signed that two-year deal. Um, now he's obviously looking at driving well past the age of 40 with this deal with Ferrari. So I think it has caught um, a lot of people, a lot of people very much in the know as well, off guard. And, and I do find it a little bit perplexing because he's got such a, a wonderful relationship with Mercedes, such a storied history mm. with Mercedes. I guess I'm just a little surprised. I, I'm not really sure. Obviously, he'll be thinking world championship by going to Ferrari, but, but I can't really see what else... Um, is really motivating that and probably money because I, I suspect there's probably a massive pay increase coming mm. when he goes to Ferrari as well. Yeah, he definitely would have been paid enough paid enough already, eh, Nigel? That's uh, by the by, though. But it does create quite an interesting talking point as well, I think, for the season ahead because he'll see out the season still with Mercedes. Same with Carlos Sainz, he'll see out the season with Ferrari. So, Beef, from an an athlete perspective, is is that something quite strange to have lingering at the back of your mind that you're off to a new team the next year or do you like would you just put it to one side completely and be able to just go no I'm here for this team right now it's fine do your best for them and then we move on uh I've never switched in in as far as the same competition I've obviously signed to go elsewhere during a different competition so I couldn't really talk from what exactly what they're doing right now but yeah, when you're in the moment, it's it's completely it's completely gone. You're very much in the in whatever situation you're in, but in your downtime, and I guess you know if there's a few things getting done behind the scenes, and Lewis isn't really can't really be bothered with that one. He'll be maybe just you know, nah, you're right. Then I'll just uh, move on here and uh, and not really be too fussed about it. So it'll be interesting from a behind the scenes point of view, but no, not when he's out on track and and preparing and all the rest of it, he'll just be business as usual. Mm, what a thought so too. Let's talk some rugby league now, guys. Uh, the Kiwis coach has come back into the news cycle the, the last couple of days after Michael Maguire's departure, of course. Confirmation that Wayne Bennett did in fact officially apply for the job is on the shortlist. Andrew Webster said Stacey Jones deserves a crack. Do you have a preference, Nigel? Um, look, I think either way you are going to get a very, very good rugby league coach. Um, Wayne Bennett's uh, CV speaks for, himself, speaks for itself and it's one of the better ones 
um, he has had experience as well with the Kiwis. Um, but I would, I got to admit, I, I lean towards Stacey Jones. I, I just, I've always liked Stacey's demeanour when he was a player, then as he's transitioned into his coaching career, and I've been lucky enough to speak with him with regards to a, a couple of roles that he's held with regards to, to the Warriors. Uh, I just think now's a really good opportunity. Uh, it's clear that he's got the respect of a lot of uh, the players. Um, I know Torhu Harris has sort of mentioned as well that he'd love to see Stacey Jones have a crack. As awesome as Wayne Bennett is, um, and, and it's going to be incredibly tempting, I would really like to see Stacey have, have a go. But the other thing too is, you know, I think a lot of people are going, well, now's a great time to come in. The old cliche, and B can speak to this, you're only as good as your last game. Well, the Kiwis' last game was mm. nigh on perfect. And you're going to be picking up that man's yeah. mantle. And so there's going to be a lot of stuff running with it as well. But I, I would love to see Stacey get an opportunity. Remaining as an assistant under Andrew Webster, I, I kind of like that particular dynamic, not only for the Warriors, but also for New Zealand Rugby League as well. What about you, Bave? Would you have a preference either way? 24 hours ago, I thought it was a no-brainer. It had to be Wayne Bennett. Now that Stacey Jones has been confirmed that he is another another front runner, all of a sudden, like Nigel, I don't think there's a bigger name in rugby league in this country, more iconic, more respected. It does it does murky the waters now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. for me. 24 hours ago, I said, look, it was a no-brainer. Wayne Bennett wants a job, he gets the job. But it certainly does change. The only thing and Wayne Bennett's still gets me leaning there, is you come up against Australia, mm. you've seen it in State of Origin, when he had no right to win a game versus a team. Like, I know our boys are now a lot more equal footing with the uh, Aussies than they've ever been in probably our history. But the fact is, there will be a spook aspect. And the fact that Wayne Bennett is sitting there will have people spooked. Mm. And I really do like that. And that's taken nothing away from our greatest ever in mm. Stacey Jones. And if Stacey gets the job, then 100% great appointment all in on it. But I do love the mystery of having Wayne Bennett up our sleeve and just standing there across. Hey, maybe Wayne would be open to doing something like he did for Steve Kearney. Yeah. And, and saying, right, Stacey's going to be the front man, blah, blah, blah. He's going to do the media and all the rest of it. And like, looking at Wayne Ben, I don't really think he's going to mind not doing the media um, and just have him in the background. So if they can make it work for have both of them involved, that would be the dream, I reckon. Yeah, and we've seen it a lot in rugby writer, kind of that almost mentoring's the wrong way, but, you know, the director of position that can mean just about anything under the sun you want to do. Exactly. Exactly. Or even like, you know, what Wayne Smith is doing across the All Blacks and Black Ferns in that kind of position that's out of the spotlight but is is there in some form of of guidance way would be quite interesting. I like that. I've just I've asked you two to choose, and we've ended up with why not both. Uh, anyway, <laughs> here's Test Cricket. Let's talk about Test Cricket. Um, I, the question I've got here is, is the allure of Test Cricket back after two amazing matches? Personally, the allure of Test Cricket for me never left, um, and I have a feeling, Nigel, that you are probably similar in that way, but from a broader public and excitement and, and talking about the game perspective, do you think it's been given a shot in the arm from what happened with the West Indies in Australia and England in India? Oh, no, I think this, you've got to go back. This goes back to New Zealand becoming the first team to win the World Test Championship. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, you've got to look at the, the way the modern game is going. We know that one day international cricket's pretty much on the way out the door. 
There's a steady diet of T20 competitions all around the world. It's one of the reasons why this South African team is supposedly under strength is because of you know all the the efforts they're putting into their own 2020 domestic competition uh, and trying to make that something. Um, but but I, I think the reason why it just comes back to New Zealand had a really good team that won the first ever World Test Championship. And look, we love winners. We mm. absolutely love winners. We're no different to any other sporting nation in the world. And I think we like the way this team go about their work. They're not arrogant. They are confident. They are respectful. They play the game the right way. And I think for the most part, that is something that just really appeals to New Zealand sports fans. And the other thing too is they have been involved in some cracking test matches yeah. recently. You go back to that the the test series just last year against England, you know, that astonishing oh. game at the Basin Reserve. And, you know, people now it's it's an event. It's back to being an event. It's hey, we're going to days two and three. We're spending the weekend at the basin. We're spending two days at Bay Oval, at Seddon Park, down at Hagley. It's become an event again. The cricket is being played in a really good, positive manner. And so I think that's really what it comes down to. It's a good, fun sporting event to go along to again. And I think the thing with Test cricket, though, is there's always been concern about the generations coming through who aren't quite as passionate maybe about the legacy of, of Test cricket and the history of it. But, Beav, as someone with young kids, could you see a world in which, you know, when they're a little bit older and maybe have uh, slightly longer attention spans, they would get amongst heading down to a, a Basin or a Bay Oval or a Hagley for a, a day's worth of the great game? Oh, don't worry. They'll be going to sit in, uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But, uh, I left that off my list deliberately just for you. They, they won't watch a ball, um, but they'll entertain themselves. Don't worry about that. But no, I think Nigel touched on it there. The, obviously, we've got a wonderful team at the moment, but also the quality of contests for quite some time have been something. I mean, we're excited right now because, A, yes, we've got a good team, but B, or B, it's a C South African team, we've got Aussie on the horizon. Mm. If we were sent another domestic test season of the rolled out uh, Bangladesh and Sri Lankan, which we've been a stable part of our diet for the last decade, uh, we probably wouldn't have been that excited. Um, but the reality is we've got the world champions and Australia mm. and obviously a South African team, which, yeah, it's, it's not the prime prime uh, group of 11 that they would love to have seen, but it's still South Africa and it's mm. still something different for us. So I think that also factors in pretty heavily. Yeah, fair play. Rugby. We're whipping through the topics today, team. Absolutely whipping through. Uh, Beave, you've potentially spoken about this, but I haven't heard your thoughts yet. Uh, All Blacks in Fiji in San Diego, yay or nay? Oh, it's a yay for me as long as Fiji does gets plenty out of it. As long as they get a dirty big check that bankrolls their union for another three or four years from just one game, that it's a yay from me. Mm. Absolutely. Nige, do you like that move? Um, yeah, I do, because uh, it's a lot closer to Europe, which is where the majority of the best VGM players now apply their trade. So I actually think that makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people uh, still have this romantic idea with regards to the games being played mm. in the islands. I still think there is an infrastructure and a financial um, component that really does need to be taken. I agree with Stephen. I think this year is going to be a, a good financial thing, not only for New Zealand rugby, but for Fijian rugby as well. And I think Fiji, of all of the teams, has actually got a little bit better when it comes to the administrative side of things. So I think that is probably the place where we end up going first. But there's still so much with regards to the infrastructure within the grounds as well for broadcasts, journalism, fans, and other such things, corporate as well. 
So I don't mind this decision, and I get the reasons why. We're just not quite there. We're getting closer, I feel, particularly with Fiji. Mm. But I just don't think we're there close enough yet to really be able to go to the Pacific Islands with the confidence that I think touring teams um, New Zealand teams would want to have from a broadcast point of view, along with a few other things as well. And Nigel, earlier in the show, we actually spoke to a rugby journalist out of the US, Alex Goff, and the discussion was more around what this does, hopefully, to build up as we look forward to a 2031 Rugby World Cup over in the States. Can you see it having a positive impact in that regard as well? Look, well, I've been very fortunate to go to a, a couple of games uh, in the United States back with a, an old job that I used to have. And, you know, the crowds were really good at those games. There is a good niche rugby audience within the United States. So, again, it's going to be another opportunity for people to see this, another opportunity for USA Rugby, World Rugby, to trumpet. Here we go. We've got the team that made the Rugby World Cup final and a team that was one of the big surprises mm. of world rugby. Two of the great entertainers of world rugby. We're bringing them over here to you. So I, I think it's an, another opportunity. It is an incredibly slow burn. Yeah. But it is clear world rugby have targeted this. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a, another great opportunity. And San Diego, another really good rugby town as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, and last but not least, <laughs> but not least. If I say it slower, it makes it easier. <laughs> Let's talk about the Knicks. Uh, the Phoenix men just continually seem to be written off with the bookmakers, regardless of how well they're doing, regardless of off the clear top of the table. What gives, Nige? Well, the bookmakers follow the money. So are we saying the bookmakers are writing them off? Or the bookmakers are having to follow the odds as being dictated by people who are betting heavily against the opposition teams of the Phoenix. So, look, I had a look at it. I found it quite fascinating. The New Zealand market had, I think, the raw, last I looked, the raw were 220 head-to-head, the Phoenix were 280. The Aussies actually had it closer. I think tab.com.au had it something like 240 and 260 the other way. So... Look, I, I, I will defend the bookies a wee bit here. I know, <laughs> you know they'll open it off, but then they are very much dictated to by, you know, who's splashing the money out. I mean, Kim, all I've got to say is, can you tell Stephen maybe if he put a few more bucks <laughs> on the Phoenix out of that massive bank balance of his, maybe we wouldn't be having this discussion. I think Beef can respond to that uh, himself right now. <laughs> Well, no, I'm still trying to recoup uh, Medvedev from last weekend, actually, but uh, no, the thing is, I think you earn the right to be considered, yep, you're high up the top of the table, and now you earn the right to be considered, yep, they'll go on and win it from here. And I think we only have to look back 12 months to know the Warriors were flying high, but because of the Warriors' history there was still a lot of, oh, when's it going to all implode? And that's, I think, potentially, because the Phoenix have never really, they've been in and around finals, but they've never really said, right, we're going to win the comp this year. Where this year, yeah, as weeks go on, and they're still sitting where they're sitting, you have to start to believe. And that's, you just look at the Warriors. Last year, who was like, oh, geez, we're paying too much to win the title because we're going to win the title, win the top four. You know, everyone, if they hand on heart, thought, well, oh, no, it could go pear-shaped somewhere along the lines here. But now the Warriors, starting this year, everyone will be like, oh, no, they just crack on and they win these games that 
in the past they might have banana skinned. So, you know, I think you've got to get, take a bit of slack off the bookies, as Nigel said. Hmm. If everyone starts piling in onto I'll, them, then we'll, they'll adjust. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will just say this, though. Brisbane's record at home is atrocious. It's absolutely appalling. Um, so, from that point of view, when you just look at straight results, top of the table team playing the team that I think's ninth on the table, whose home record this year is absolutely atrocious. From that point of view, from straight facts, taking money Get aside, easy money. I have no, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no idea how the Phoenix aren't at least a dollar eighty shot. Gamble responsibly, but you know. Sounds like a good shout. Always, always gamble <laughs> responsibly.